Blog Talk Radio. September 2nd, 2012 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. It's the podcast devoted to the discussion of news and politics from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy, Objectivism. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and also joining me here in the studio, as usual, is cartoonist Bosch Fossen. And here's what we want to talk about today. The Republican National Convention, I've got some discussion of the good, the bad, and the ugly, ha, ha, Mm -hmm. ha, from some of the speeches that we watched, and of course one of them is from Clint Eastwood. Then National Read Atlas Shrug Day, and in particular, I would like to hear whether any of you are commencing a rereading of Atlas Shrugged. Of course, somebody quipped on Facebook that you can't read Atlas Shrugged in one day because the book is just too darn long. But it's, They should change it to a begin uh, to read Atlas Shrugged Day. Yeah, begin to read Atlas Shrugged Day. Read Atlas Shrugged if you are a speed reader <laughs> and you don't want to enjoy it at all. Or right? read it in 24 hours nonstop. I, um, again, but it, I mean, I think you still have to be a speed or, reader. I mean, I haven't timed it, but it took me 10 days the first time that I nine. read it, and I did, oh, okay, well, it took me eight and a half. Seven. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but I did, you know, very little else for those 10 days. Anyway, uh, then our intervention series continues with a look, a big, we're going to look at some foreign policy issues, and I have a feeling that that's going to go on a while. People have been sending me some foreign policy stories that just, uh, uh, yeah, really horrific stuff. So we'll talk about that. I invite those of you who are attending live to call in and weigh in on these topics, uh, any of these topics today. We'll take your phone calls, 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. The phone number is displayed on the Blog Talk Radio page throughout the show. You can also chime in in the in the chat room here, and uh, people are already talking about the dim hypothesis. Leonard's Peakoff, you know, Leonard Peakoff's book. I should make them jealous. Yeah. Yeah, I've already started reading it, people. Um, <laughs> there's a, a little bit of a benefit that comes from knowing the author for many years that you actually get an advanced copy. So. Uh, I myself am not going to be commencing a rereading of Atlas Shrugged right now. Why? Because I have both the Dim Hypothesis and then also John Allison's right. book on I the financial guess. crisis on my plate. And I have to get through both of those so that we can have some interviews. So I think it's going to be uh, a good next few weeks or so. So next few weeks we're going to do these interviews and talk to these authors. It's going to be a good time. So... Yes, people chime in. Now, some people said I just started Atlas in Spanish. I don't, you know, the translations, I'm not sure how accurate they are. Sometimes in certain countries, the translator has his own ideas about some of uh, objectivist ideas and maybe translates accordingly. So you have to sometimes take it with a grain of salt. But hopefully the, the translations are accurate and the essence comes through even if the particular translator doesn't necessarily agree with everything in, in objectivism. Yeah. 
So let's talk about the GOP National Convention. And, you know, I I noted because I went there looking at some of the speeches and I didn't watch a lot of it live. I, I was buried in all sorts of things this week. So I was catching up on speeches on YouTube and I noted the relative number of views of some of the key speakers, right? The nominee, our nominee for president in in the GOP, assuming you're a, you consider yourself some sort of Republican, I think I'm registered Republican. I don't even care. Last time I checked, all I know is well, I don't register as a liber- libertarian. It's only sane. Uh, you you might not even register in any particular party. Maybe who knows what you do? Sometimes you do it for different reasons in different elections. You change your your registration. But Romney had only 42,000 views on the GOP Nationals Convention YouTube channel. Paul Ryan, his running mate, had an order of magnitude more, 196 views. And then, of course, there's Clint Eastwood's speech. Over 1 million views for Clint Eastwood's speech. So what does that tell you that even this year, when I think so much is at stake in an election, people are more attracted to watching a speech by an actor than they are any of these politicians who might determine the fate of the country. A relative relative celebrity, like Obama. Right. I mean, that's what he is, you know. That's why I think Obama has far more fans than than he has voters, you know. I mean, former fans. Well, and then we saw that story about his fans are maybe not real, like his Twitter followers, half of them are fake. 70% not. 70% of them are fake. 70%. Yeah, I know that everybody gets fake Twitter followers but though, and and I, you know, if, I don't have a bunch of people following me on Twitter, but I, you know, I've, I get I'm a sure... few fake ones here and there, but seventy thousand, I mean, seventy percent, seventy percent, wow. Maybe they follow in the hopes that the Obama campaign would retweet their ads selling Viagra or whatever else it is that they're selling. <laughs> I, don't I, I, know. Have, I have no idea. But anyway, so let let uh, you know again. I want the good, the bad, and the ugly at the RNC. And you'd think, okay, well, well do you have to talk about both the bad and the ugly? But I think there are both bad of things course. and then things that are ugly. So I think there is a differentiation there. Good uh, Eastwood, I did think was good. There were some people who. We're trying to say, oh, he's kind of senile, yeah. and may I, and I overall, disagree with him. I mean, they disagree usually. with him, but also I, I thought he was pretty natural. Yeah. yeah, sometimes he was grasping at a word here or there, he but was, he made some fine distinctions on policy issues he did. that he was having fun. I, I thought and, were decent, and he cut to the core of some issues, and he mocked Obama, which you rarely see on television. No, rarely. I liked it. Even from the Republicans, they really do that. Um, he pointed out that there are some non-leftists in Hollywood. Right. He mentioned, you know, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, you know, so the Libertarians actually got a mention from him. Uh, tw- he called the 23 million that we have unemployed right now a national disgrace. And he, he looked like he was he was choking up at that, at that line even. Yeah. It looked genuine. Yeah. Um, and he talked about Obama's stupid idea of trying terrorists in New York City. Right. And he says, well, you did finally overrule that, so we'll have to give you credit about that. Right. But here, here's where I was sort of impressed. He says, okay, you know, you are you were against the war in Iraq. He's talking to Obama in the, in, to, in the empty the chair. chair, right, the empty chair. And he says, you were against the war in Iraq. He says, that's okay. He says, but then about this war in Afghanistan, he says, uh, Basically, why weren't you against that war, too? He says, you should have checked with the Russians and see how they did carrying on this war in Afghanistan for for so long. Which I liked because it definitely tells you that unlike 
pretty much every other speech that I heard in the convention, and again, I watched, I don't know, five or six speeches or something, uh, they're neocons, yeah. right? They still have this idea that it is the job of the United States to go out there import. and fight yeah. everybody else's wars. That we're going to export. Yeah. That we're, that we're right. going to, we're going right, to right, right. I'm sorry. export our. Actually, we're, we're importing something, but you know. Yeah, we're importing junk too, but you know, e- exporting our our way of life to right. the rest of the world. That that's somehow our our moral duty, or that there's other arguments. And they that still they get have applause for this. Excuses. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't sound like Eastwood himself is on that uh you know premise at all because he was saying basically yeah you should get out of Iraq and then he said but he, and, he, and he criticized Obama for giving a time frame right. for you know drawing down our troops Iraq, in Afghanistan right. and for the yeah. eventual withdrawal completely of our troops he says why not just bring them all home tomorrow yeah. would have loved it uh he got a bunch of laughs because he was saying you know he was uh, you know, pretending as if Obama was sending the message to Romney that Romney should go, you know, what himself. himself yeah. And he says, well, Romney can't do that to himself. And then later he says, well, I can't do that to myself either. He's imagining that Obama's telling him off as well. Uh, I love uh, his line about Biden was the intellect of the Democratic Party. He says a, right. a, a grin with a body behind it. Right. Um, he, I like that. He made a slip about it's not a good idea for attorneys to be president. Right. I would say most of the speakers at the convention there who are all, you know, in, in some other, you know, some form of political office and perhaps vying for different positions in the administration, they're all attorneys. Yeah, and I, and think, I think someone I think said even Romney is an attorney. I don't think he is. I mean, I'm not sure. I know, I never, I know I he's, he's primarily a businessman, yeah. but that doesn't mean he doesn't no, have a law degree, too. I never heard that. but I know people hate attorneys. I'm an attorney. I'm fine. It's a fun, you know? it's a fun cheap shot. Period. Yeah, it's a fun cheap shot. Okay, okay. Um, what else? Uh, Gat, oh, he talks about people have gas guzzlers, and then they... Uh, oh, yeah, he's talking about... Uh, Obama was flying a gas guzzler, basically, which no. is Air Force One, right. to go speak at colleges about all the student loan debt, and he, you know, he's questioning that. He talks about we own our own country; that politicians are employees of ours, yep. and I really like that line. That poli- got, you got a great applause. Yeah. Too. So it's again, the politicians work for us; we don't work for the politicians. No. And. He talked to the American people. He says, you are the best in the world. So this idea, and this is another theme that you saw throughout the speeches, is that America is great. America is either exceptional. He says, you're the best in the world. And he says, whether you're Republican, Democrat, or Libertarian. And I'm not sure if the he Republicans He more Libertarian like, also. That's, that's, I, think, I think he's pro, pro-gay marriage. I think even he's, uh, I think it's Zach Rosamera, he's a pro-choice. So, you know, he's pretty... Pretty liberal in some, in some in some ways, which is good. Yeah, yeah, and and it wasn't like he sat there and he's just gung ho Republican. Yeah, I think he just honestly is in the position where he says, in this case, yeah. and th- and this is the line that he has. He says, when somebody does not do a job, we've got to let him go. Yeah, and I think that's how he feels about Obama. I like the way I like the way he said it too. Yeah, you know, we've got to let him go. Yeah, and as and, in you know, you had a good run. It's over. And then uh, people in the audience were harassing him to say, "Go ahead and make right, my day." Right. And finally, at the end, he gave in and, and did it. But, but he he let them he let them uh, uh, finish it up, though. He said, uh, "Go ahead," and they said, "Make my day." The whole audience, pretty funny. Yep, yep. So that was 
you know, definitely definitely a good point. There wasn't obviously a whole ton of substance there, but as I said, if you're going to try to criticize him for having some sort of senility nah. or something, I thought his discussion on the foreign policy and the implications were yeah. somewhat more subtle than you would expect from somebody who's just senile and trying to make some jokes right. against the president. I, di- I didn't see that at all. No, I I think he felt he had to be there because, uh, you know, this is a country they, they love that he's been very successful in. And uh, he just sees where it's going. And he has family, you know, children, grandchildren. He doesn't want them to end up in a hellish America. I got a boo from Zach for Hopefully. being an attorney. Yeah, That's maybe. so mean, Zach. I don't know. But, yes, I mean, I, I have a law degree. As long as you're not and a practicing attorney, it's okay. That's true. I've done a little bit of real lawyering out there. And I always look at a good lawyer as somebody who can help make problems go away. And obviously, if you're an ethical attorney, you're doing it on the right side of the problems. And then there are those who create problems. Yeah. Yeah. And too many of the politician lawyers create problems. But okay, so let's talk about Romney. Did you watch Romney's speech? So I actually felt like I'm taking one for the team by watching Romney's speech. I can't watch him. The thing I could tell you, so I saw the the time frame of the speech on on YouTube, and it turns out that the first few minutes and the last few minutes of the thing are just nothing but him shaking hands with people and waving and all that and music playing. So there's – but overall, I just saw the speech as very vanilla, mostly empty – Obviously, formulations that disappointed me uh, tremendously. The first thing he start, he says, I'm accepting your nomination. He says, I accept it with humility. Yeah. So he starts out, the first thing he talks about is humility. And then how does he identify Ryan? He says, Ryan is someone with a big heart from a small town. Um, What? I thought he would have used big brain, at least. Yeah. Um, he did emphasize that we're a nation of immigrants, which I liked. Uh, there was also some discussion of immigration from some of the other speakers. And I noted that the applause that they got when they talked about welcoming, productive, ambitious, accomplished immigrants to our country. I think Condoleezza Rice in particular was talking about that, that the applause was tepid. You do, oh, okay. you do have in, Repu- in the Republican Party some people who are really lame on the issue of immigration. So I was noticing the reaction to some of that. He talks about freedom, freedom of religion, freedom to build a business. This all sounds good. Uh, but, you know, this is such a lame thing. He says, uh, I... I wish President Obama had succeeded because I want America to succeed. He has Come on. succeeded. As, as Rush Limbaugh said, he was asked by Wall Street Journal to write a, an op-ed. When Obama came president, he goes, I hope he fills. Mm-hmm. That's it. I hope he fills. And he has succeeded in a lot of ways. He has. Right. So it's just stupid. You know? A lot of empty stuff. He says, you know, he talks about family, unconditional love. And then he's talking about Neil Armstrong, which, given the passing of Neil Armstrong last week, is, I guess, an appropriate topic to, to bring up. But then he's, this is so empty. He just says, when the world needs someone to do some really big stuff, you need an American. So, yeah, he's pro-American, but what is he saying there? He's not pointing to any particular values. Uh, he did a few times in comments that he made. So, for instance, he was talking about being a Mormon in Detroit area, I believe it was, and he says that the people around him treated the fact that, you know, what sports team did you follow? That was more important than what religion you are. Uh, you know, he, he he tried to get in a lot of times that 
he wasn't so much set on the fact that he was a Mormon and only Mormons were good. He mentioned Episcopalians another time and stuff. But he's clearly for some sort of religion, some sort of Christian religion, presumably. Uh, but he was trying to sound ecclesiastical. Um, that vision of America is the best uh, within each of us. Rob, yeah. Robert says. Robert said, "Yeah, he. Um, this is Robert, New York City, in the chat room. He he said he, he did. Yeah, that Romney said two things that struck uh, stuck with me. He says that vision of America is the best within each of us, and that reminds me of the name of the best within us. That's true, and he does want to bring out the best." within us and clearly he talked about success that we want to celebrate success right. he said we want to celebrate it we don't need to apologize for it right. he didn't say go that extra step and say we'd be proud of it but right. i wouldn't expect him to say no. you should be proud or that we should be proud strong, really. because he, he said the word humility at the very beginning of his talk uh he talked about obama he says the best feeling that you had about him was the day that you voted for him. Mm-hmm. So people who did vote for him, they they had that feeling. The, you know, the the one quotation that's out there at, that uh, people use, I guess, to essentialize the speech really bothers me a lot, which is, um, what was it, Obama had promised to slow the rise right. of the oceans and right. save the planet, but my promise is to help you and your family. I know. That's uh, that's lame. It's. I mean, it's really lame. It's, it, I mean, just get out of our way. I mean, he he got some laughs for saying that Obama yeah. was making these promises right, right, about right. protecting the planet but or whatever. But but it's, it's not their job yeah. to help us. They're just supposed to just get out of our get way. out of our way. Mm-hmm. Let us live. Let us be free. Let us you know do what we want to do. Don't don't bother helping us. I mean, when, when the government comes in and helps, that's when things go to hell. Yeah. You know, look at the uh, the uh, mortgage crisis. Look at you know. Now, Robert also says the other quotation that he likes is, the future is out there. It's waiting for us. He says, it sounds like the world you desire can be one. It exists. It's real. It's possible. It's yours. Um, maybe. Do you think he's got a speechwriter? Well, maybe his speechwriter was uh, Paul, Paul Ryan who walked in there and you know, <laughs> put some stuff in there and said, I've read Atlas, you know. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, Tim in the chat room says repealing Obamacare would help me and my yes, family. Yes, that Unfortunately, would. Unfortunately, one of the things, and you know, he the, didn't mention this, it in there. He did mention it. Okay, but, also Paul Ryan did as well. Well, right, right. But there was a difference between Ryan and Romney when talking about Obamacare. Mm. Ryan spoke about repealing. Yeah. Romney explicitly said repeal and oh, replace. Man. Repeal, repeal period, and punk. replace. But he talks about the five steps, the five, you know, the five steps that he and Paul Ryan pledged to take energy independence by 2020. And he at the beginning, when he's listing the forms of energy, mentions the carbon based fuels of coal, oil and natural gas, which is excellent. To the Republicans, it should be repeal or you'll be replaced. I mean, seriously, repeal, period. Yeah, you're replaced. Yeah, ridiculous. That's right. Once we get him, if we get him in office. We need to do that. Yeah, repeal and replace with what, says Zach. And that's exactly what I... I think we should all be tweeting to Romney and to Ryan. You guys promised repeal and replace. Replace with what? We would all like to see the exact text of the bill with which they would like to replace this monstrosity. Because my guess is... And, you know, people have been talking about this back and forth on my blog that whatever they replace it with might be 
just as bad in terms of pushing us towards it. It's going to seem more palatable, but just also push us towards socialism. And we're, I mean, you know, socialized medicine in particular, and that's what we're worried Which about. Which is the first big step. So energy independence by 2020, that was number one. Skills, though. Then he talks about giving people skills and education. That means government spending money trying to, quote, save the public schools. Hmm. It's a disaster, of hmm. course. Uh, trade. Now, he didn't mention China. Okay, he, tariffs, he, yeah. he, he implied China, but he okay. says, you know, when people are unfair, we're going to, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, he talked about cutting the deficit and putting us, quote, on track to a balanced budget. Right. Lame. Right. And he talks about cutting regulations and taxes, especially on small business. He pledged not to increase any taxes on the middle class at all. That was very big of him. Did he pledge not to increase taxes on anybody? I mean, no. I mean again, you know, it's again and again, It's not, this, this election is not about Romney, but he's taking full advantage of it. It's all about getting Obama out because Romney will not do what is necessary, you know, but he will just not be as bad as Obama. That's it. That's the only thing. That's the only benefit of having him. Right. And and that's really the decision that everybody's got to make. And this is all the stuff that we're weighing when we take all this in. So here's the bad from Romney. He talks about freedom of religion. He says he pledges to protect the sanctity of life mm. and marriage. Both bad. Yeah. He didn't say exactly what he'd do, but he talked about protecting that. And this is this is not good. Uh, but, th- you know, some of the good stuff is... This idea of rejecting resentment and division, you know, this idea that Americans are resenting each other for their success. He says, no, we're going to reject resentment and division. We're going to celebrate success. Condoleezza Rice also uh, spoke about that in a pretty good way. Yeah, no, she was she was good in that about way that, as well, yeah. definitely. And uh, in terms of foreign policy... We shouldn't be throwing Israel under the bus. He specifically talked about the fact Funny. that we've been throwing Israel under the bus. He says, yeah, but, yeah, but the White House said today that they've been the best friend of Israel, you know, ever. Like they said, so. Well, they had to say that because the well, story came out recently that we are backing off in terms of I'm any of our sarcastic. joint operations Just, with I, Israel. I got the yeah. but, you know. Well, we got to talk about this later. Uh, he says, for our friends, we're going to have more loyalty. For Putin, you're going to see less flexibility and more backbone. So that was, that was good as well. No, Putin put on. Go on. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I did not like is a sign that I saw displayed while I watched Romney's little uh, address. Believe. No. That was believe in Romney Ryan 2012. Oh. This idea of believe that it's going to be faith in some way. And he talked about our democratic ideals. Yeah. You know. Look, he's a liberal. He's he's a Democrat. And that's it. That's what he is. He happens to be technically Republican. But in terms of good stuff out of Paul Ryan's speech itself, yeah, good stuff. I more have, memorable stuff than Obama has ever said in any of his speeches in the last whatever. I don't know how many years. Four I, or five years. I, I would say probably. Now there were no, but in general there are some good lines that you yeah, will remember. Definitely. Definitely some very good lines. So, for instance, Obamacare. He says, Obamacare comes to more than 2,000 pages of rules, mandates, taxes, fees, and fines that have no place in a free country. And then he talks about repealing Obamacare. Like I said, Romney, on the other hand, does repeal and replace. When he, uh, Ryan himself, when he talks about Medicare, right, he's criticizing Obama 
for having this Obamacare that raids right. Medicare. Right. Uh, I think they take $716 billion, yeah. is that right, yeah. out of Medicare? He pledges, Ryan pledges, to protect and strengthen Medicare. Yeah. And then he's, and you know, this is the thing. You could say, let's do that legitimately for, for instance, the limited, yeah. He says his mom's generation. Right. Right. These are people who've paid in their whole lives to whom the promise was made. If you're going to have a phase out plan, you're probably not going to renege on the promise and made to those people. If he started speaking about the phase out plan, that would have been. It'd be great, but instead he makes it sound like they're just going to preserve it exactly yeah. as it is forever and ever because he says, for my mom's generation, for my generation, think, and for my kids and yours. I think he's being reactionary because the left is accusing him of uh, literally, you know, he said on a commercial where they had him uh, throwing an old woman over a cliff. Right. I mean, literally. Yeah, he, so wants, I think he that's wants to his say, we're not idea. doing exactly. that. We're not doing I'm that. I'm not going to do that. We're not throwing them over the cliff. <sighs> uh, in terms of the housing crisis, he, I think, gave up an opportunity to criticize the Obama administration even more. He talks about the Obama administration began with a housing crisis they alone didn't cause because, again, right. it was George W. Bush's yes. policies that led and to that housing she crisis. did somewhat criticize the Bush years, which is good. Yeah, Romney did criticize um, the Bush years. Yeah, I mean, excuse me, Ryan did criticize yeah. the Bush years. Yeah, Romney didn't criticize Bush at all. But then he says the Obama administration ends with the housing crisis they didn't correct. And if you recall, we talked about on this show before, not only did the Obama administration not correct the housing crisis, yeah, as we did, if people listen, to, you know, we've been doing this so-called intervention series for a few weeks now. In the first week, one of the things we talked about was the fact that the Obama administration, through the Treasury Department, is making certain changes that will enable the Treasury Department to continue to guarantee mortgages yeah. Through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, basically perpetuating yeah. perpetuating our you know taxpayers being on the hook for guaranteeing mortgages, but they've done even more. If you've watched Peter Schiff's work, when Peter Schiff was asked to testify before Congress, it was because Congress was considering giving Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac the ability to get into the multifamily unit hmm. housing industry and start guaranteeing mortgages for that mess. So I think that they could have even gone further with that. He had some good lines. He says, uh, you know, Obama's, uh, you know, administration is like a ship trying to sail on yesterday's wind. Yeah. Uh, Obama assumed office almost four years ago. Isn't it about time he assumed responsibility? Um well, you know, he he talked about also uh, we don't have much time, right? He talks about that we really don't have much time in terms of this financial crisis that we're in. He says, but if we're serious and smart and we lead, we can do this. So he taught he tried to bring home how serious this is. He says, after four years of government trying to div div uh, divide up the wealth, we will get America creating wealth again. He talks about his mom starting her small business and says, yes, mom, you did build that. Uh, pledges to keep federal spending at a certain percentage of GDP. The only problem is that the percentage right. is fairly high. It's at 20%. <laughs> but, you know, he has a good line about it. He says, the choice is whether we put hard limits on economic growth or hard limits on the size of government, and we choose to limit government. 
you know, this is the thing, and, and there's another line where he talks about this same sort of issue. He says, we need to stop spending money we don't have. I know. That's this, a terrible it, argument. It, it, it's, a, it's a terrible way to put it because I would if rather If we did have see, it, we spend it. Yeah. And, again, I think the Republicans, and they have been this way all the way through in the debates and everything, yeah. they're on the premise that they're going to back off on regulations, cut tax rates a little bit, the economy is just going to take off, then and then 20% of GDP is right. enough to fund all their pet projects, exactly. so, right? You know, they, they never say it's immoral. just said, you know, we don't have it, but if we did have it, we would spend it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Um, he talks about free enterprise and strong communities as the solution to overcome poverty and despair. Because, of course, our whole concern should be how do you overcome poverty and right, despair, right. not how do you set up a society that's moral that allows people to exist morally um in our dealings with other nations he says we'll speak with confidence and clarity but then listen to this this is the neocon uh, side of it he says wherever men and women rise up for their own freedom they will know that an um, the american president is on their side and he talks about the united states being the greatest force for peace and liberty that this world has ever known it's very neocon language, you know, that we're out there ready to intervene and get into all these wars. Uh, he had the classic line, of course, about the college graduates. They shouldn't have to live out their 20s in yeah. their childhood bedrooms, staring at fading Obama posters and wondering when they can move out and get on with their life. Yeah, but, but my favorite line was yeah. the one in which he described... America under Obama, and he said, none of us should have to settle for the best this administration offers. A dull, adventureless journey from one entitlement to the next. A government-planned life, a country where everything is free but us. Awesome. End quote. Great line. I loved it. A country where everything is free but us. That That is excellent. And he talks about, um, you know, when he was working in his youth to get ahead, he says, I was on my own path my own journey, an American journey where I could think for myself, decide for myself, define happiness for myself. And he says, that's the American dream, that's freedom, and I'll take it any day over the supervision and sanctimony of the central planners. Very good. So he's, you know, it's a lot of good stuff. I definitely relate to that. I mean, uh, looking you know, back in the uh, 20, 30 years ago, you know, there was true, I mean, I don't know, hope, I mean, but, true hope. But I, 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 I also think I also think that before you realize how bad politics are when you're really young, you feel more hope too. But I don't know. In this America today, who knows? Oh. Who knows? It trickles down from the parents to the kids. This kind of uh, pessimism about the country. I don't think any kids, uh, you know, being raised in America today felt like we did 20 years ago. You know, 20, 20, 30 years ago. I don't think so. Yeah, no, I think the kids today are, are exposed to politics at a much earlier age, unfortunately. Our politicians have made it, you know, have made it so. I just don't they even remember caring about exactly. politics until I was at least in high school. So, you know, you just got to live your life and, and pursue your interests and stuff. And, and your parents were able to keep you sheltered from that. And today it doesn't seem possible. Some of the stuff, of course, got me because he says, uh, you know, he and Romney have different faiths, but they come together in the same moral creed and that each one of us is made for a reason. We bear the image and likeness of the Lord of life. Uh, so he brings religion in as well. Yeah. He says we have responsibilities to one another. 
Uh, the greatest of all responsibilities of that is the strong to protect the weak. Mm. The truest measure of any society is how it treats those who cannot defend or care for themselves. That's end the quote. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Is the truest measure? But again, I think he's coming from the standpoint, and he tries to have this as his version of Catholicism, right. where they believe that it's the individual communities that would fulfill this moral responsibility. That he might it's, be. You know that it's it's not government. And if he got there from anywhere, he, he got it from my rent. But he definitely does believe in this safety net in Medicare as one element of the safety net, and is somehow pledging to preserve so he's a semi, government's he's involvement. He's a semi-statist, you know. Semi-statist, that's yeah. right. He says we can get this country working again, we can get the economy growing again. That's all empty stuff. And then he says we can make the safety net safe again. Oof. End quote. So, yeah, whatever you thought of Ryan, yes, he did have some very good stuff. And I definitely you see some influence from Rand in there. Well, but, you know, the good stuff. Yeah, the good stuff yeah. was influenced by Rand. But it's, it's not it's influenced by Catholicism. Definitely a mixture. So that is our, our nominee and his running mate. The mixed economy, the mixed man. Now, what about Condoleezza Rice? Condoleezza Rice also got 157,000 views. So, again, the nominee gets hmm. 42,000 or something, and Rice and also Ryan got much more in, in terms of the views. She starts out strongly talking about 9-11 and then, she, you know, the 2008 financial crisis. And then here comes in the bad within, I would say, a minute or two of starting her speech. She says, the desire for liberty and freedom is indeed universal. Yeah. And she says, men and women in the Middle East yeah. have been rising up to seize it. Oh, no. And then she cites as the only people to blame in terms of the Arab Spring, right, the Arab Spring not doing what it's supposed to, are the neighbors of these countries and then also Russia and China mm-hmm. not basically allowing what needs to be done to be done to help the people. Uh, the, she is still on the same idea that George W. Bush, under whom she worked, had, which is the idea that Iraqis wanted so-called right. freedom, that all of these people want freedom. But and, we've seen ample evidence that they have no desire to create a truly free country once Con- we get out of there. Condoleezza Rice added to Bush's uh, Islam is peace. She goes, Islam means peace and love, just for the record. And love. You know, I mean, we know that there are minorities. There's a substantial minority in some countries. So, for instance, in Egypt, oh, I think there's yeah. quite a number of people who do want liberty and freedom. There are Christians there. The Coptic Christians are literally being crucified. Literally crucified. This is what the Arab Spring means. That is it. And Condoleezza Rice is still in the fancy land. Yeah, they're totally in the twilight zone if they think that the, this desire for liberty and freedom is universal. They Please, do, they have no do, idea what I mean, it. do they really believe that human beings have free will and choose which ideology that they subscribe to or not? I don't know. She says, we have to tell everybody where America stands. Our friends and foes need to know it. And then she says, since World War II... We stand for free peoples and free markets. And then she says, we'll defend and support them, which is, of course, a neocon ideal that we're going to intervene. She talks about the the fact that we have to lead, leading meaning being ready to intervene on behalf of 
so-called free peoples and free markets. And again, she believes as, that as the, the, desire, the desire for liberty and freedom is universal. So, so basically, anywhere where they say, look, we're, we want freedom, help us, no. we're supposed to go help us. Now, what does she say if we don't do it? If we don't lead, she says, either there's going to be chaos hmm. or, she says, somebody else is going to step in and lead and they're not going to share our values. Yeah. So it's not just... Oh, we have a moral duty to do it. It's she's giving this these pragmatic arguments that if we don't lead in accordance with our values, meaning that we come in and we spend our money and right. risk our soldiers and Lies everything and else. Yeah. Uh that there's either gonna be this chaos, of course it'd be nice to describe it and, and see what you know, why don't Look, we just... she was part of a terrible, terrible administration yeah. who allowed all this crap to come to a head to the Arab Spring. So she's trying to cover cover her ass. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, that's it. I mean, obviously, she said some good things during our talk at all. Like one thing that I really about America, it was good. She was good about the the essence of America. So unlike someone else who we'll talk about in a minute, she did not say that the essence of our national identity had to do with our religion. Yeah. She says the essence is not nationality, ethnicity, or religion. Yeah. But she says instead it's an idea. And in effect, the idea that all these people were talking about is that the station that you are born into, financially or otherwise, doesn't determine whether you where you can go in life, that there's always going to be opportunity. There's, in effect, no case system in America that you're no. going to be able to, to rise up. That's a good acknowledgement by her. And, and you know, the, the idea that some of them are better at articulating it than others, but... That is another theme that you saw echoing throughout the different speeches yeah. is this idea that people can come from basically nothing and achieve wonderful, great things. And people um, can become an American, unlike in, you go to other countries to become a Russian, to become an Iranian. I mean, it doesn't right. work. And and so the, I, I really like the fact that she says it's not about nationality, ethnicity, or religion. Excellent. She said that explicitly. Um, she, she talked about um, ingenuity. But she pronounced it ingenuity. <laughs> okay, ingenue. That's funny. <laughs> so I, I got a kind of a kick out That's of that. That's pretty funny. Uh, she also used the word stimulate, that you would stimulate economic prosperity yeah. in effect. And th- these, Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I don't like these words coming from them, this idea that you're going to stimulate the economy. I mean, the whole thing is they're saying we're not as bad as Democrats. No, not as bad. No. Yeah, no, not, as, not a little bit better. Yeah, a little bit better. Uh, she talks about welcoming ambitious people to our country, that we're a nation of immigrants. And as I said, she got tepid applause for that. Uh, one thing I love, this line that I had seen pulled out earlier in the week, and it was, it's, it is very good. She says, there is no country that can do more harm to us than we can do to uh, ourselves. True. Very good. Very good. People are saying she had lipstick all over her teeth. You know, I looked for that lipstick. I didn't look on a big view, but who cares? That's non-essential. Uh, peace through strength, of course, is always a good little catchphrase. But what does she mean yeah, by strength? I mean, mean, she means a strong economy, which is nice. But I, I, I think she also means let's go out there and flex our muscles in the world. Free and fair trade. She mentions China explicitly, but I think she mentions more the the trade agreements that they've engaged in versus us. Energy independence, another theme that she talked about, but she did a little hat tip to environmentalism that we can have energy independence while still respecting our environment. Hmm, that's right. 
a little wink, huh? Yeah, I got to talk about that. We're environmental, too. But she says, we shouldn't be in this country about entitlements. We shouldn't be envious of each other's success. Very good. And to that extent, I thought she was really good. You never hear that from politicians. um, No, you you never hear that from politicians. No. You never do. No, and and I think this is what, you know, I I heard out on, um, on Facebook that Harry Binswanger was talking about the fact that there was more intellectual ideas. Yeah, more meat, no doubt about in it. In the speeches. Obviously not Romney's speech, but some of these other speeches at this yeah. convention than than there had been in the past. And more feistness, more more fight. And also, yeah, they definitely jumped on that uh you know, you didn't build that line. And well deserved. You gotta hit back with that. You have to. No, they you, they, you use they all did. This idea that in this country we do not envy each other's success. We don't resent each other's success. Exactly. We don't try to divide the country between the haves and the have-nots, so to speak. That is not what America is about. Yeah, it was good. There's a, the Objective Standard blog had a little post by Ari Armstrong yesterday. And he talks about Rice and the Republicans condemn the politics of envy. And this is a theme that you saw throughout several of the speeches. Here's the quote from Rice. She says, The essence of America, what really unites us, is not nationality or ethnicity or religion. It is an idea. And what an idea it is, that you can come from humble circumstances and you can do great things. That it does not matter where you came from, it matters where you are going. She says, my fellow Americans, ours has never been a narrative of grievance and entitlement. We have never believed that I am doing poorly because you are doing well. Excellent. She says, we have never been jealous of one another and never envious of others' successes. That's, uh, that's as good as it gets when it comes to today's politicians. I mean, Excellent. I mean it is. Excellent. I, I can't disagree with it. So if you could take that yeah. and then get her away from the foreign policy I know. stuff, I, know. I would love to see that. Because, I, I again, I like the fact that she said it's not about religion. We need more of that. That the American essence is about this idea. And... You can that, come here and make it like you can't make it anywhere. That was the that was the idea. Yeah. And if yeah. Obama continues, that idea will be snuffed out. So what I'm hoping is that they weren't floating her there as somebody who's going to be the Secretary of State I or Defense. Not. I hope not. Because if you have another administration of this, that's a that's you know, a great line. But we know where <laughs> we know where she was for eight years. Yeah. With a terrible president. And this and this illusion that the desire for liberty and freedom is universal, especially in oh, the Muslim world so and the terrible. Middle East, they need to look give what that they a, look what they consider to be peace. Look at then consider what they think is freedom is. Freedom to do anything that they want to us. That's right. their idea of freedom. Are you ready to talk about Father Rubio? Father Rubio. He's running for the Pope, right? He's running to be the next Pope. You know, this is the thing about Rubio, right? Rubio's speech was very good up until the halfway point, right? Yeah. And then he fell into... Because he, he talks about, you know, there's no limit in how far I could go because I was an American and I knew this. My grandfather knew America was exceptional. You know, if you start a business, you hire others. He has some of the usual stuff. You know, we're blessed with Romney because Romney is generous and he volunteers and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, he also has this disappointing uh, phrase. You, I think you heard this one. Our problem with Obama isn't that he's ah, a bad person. Terrible. He's well, evil. You know, our, our problem is that he's a bad president. Our problem is that he's evil. You know, but he, he says the with the spending and the stimulus and the government intervention, he's not bringing us forward. Instead, he's bringing us backward. These are tired old big government ideas. 
these ideas are going to make America more like the rest of the world. And then listen to this. He says, these ideas will make America more like the rest of the world. And then he says, instead of helping the rest of the world become more like America, which is the whole neocon idea, that it's our duty or that we have reasons to and we're going to help the rest of the world become more like America. Why not just... Lead by example only, uh, where we just be America. Don't we understand? If other people realize the that it's good, they follow it. The results of this it. crap yeah. for the last how many decades? Don't we realize this is a you know we we only hurt ourselves with this. Don't we don't you know don't we realize this? And they ought to know better than us even because they know the inside stuff. They know how bad it is out there even more than we do. Uh, Rubio said some good things about you know hope and change has become divide and conquer. True. Good. Uh, you know, you know, it's it's always good and bad, good and bad with these guys, always. Yeah. You know, always. Uh, with Democrats, it's all bad. So that's one difference. Uh, America was founded on the principle that every person has God-given rights. Yeah. So at least Ryan talks about God, rights coming from nature yeah. and God. Well, he's half objective, Rubio, half, half half Catholic. You know, yeah, you know Rubio, Paul Ryan's half. You know what I mean? Yeah, Rubio. I'm joking. It's, 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 it's all about God for for Rubio. Uh, government exists to protect our rights and to serve our interests. We should be free to go as far as our talent and our work can take us. So this is all good. Oh. But then he says, and this is right around the halfway point of the speech. It starts to get a little bit hard to, to listen to. He says, we're bound together not by race race or ethnicity, but by common values. And then he's going to talk about what those values are, right? What are the common values that bind us together? What is the value? Family, he says, is the most important institution in society. It's overrated. And then the most passion of the speech, the most passion of the speech was devoted to the following line by by Rubio. Almighty God is the source of all we have. Mm. Almighty God is the source of all we have, and they're all cheering. Of course. So there's that. And then he says, our national motto is in God we trust. Now, isn't in God we trust something that was only slapped on? 1955. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, faith in our creator is the most important American value of them can, all. Can you repeat that? Can Wait. you repeat that again? This one, faith? Yes. Yeah. Faith in our creator, he says, this is Rubio, is the most important American value of them all. I mean, all. he should become a priest. I mean, honestly. Yeah. That's the most important. But this is the thing. Up, up to this point. For Americans? Up to the point, the halfway point of his speech, he sounded just like all the other politicians saying mostly I guess this is what it really, good stuff. But this is what it really means here. This is, yeah. this is when he gets into the nitty-gritty for himself. And he's trying to impose. He says, we. This is our greatest value, right? Yes. Ours. And then he talks about sacrifice. He talks about sacrifice. He's quoting from the scripture. He says, uh, those <laughs> Stuart in the chat room says Rubio is saying that you didn't build that. God made that happen. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> That's perfect. That's, That's perfect. perfect, Stuart. Um, sacrifice. You know, he's talking about. He says, "Those to whom much is uh, those to whom much is given, much is required. So much is required from you if you were given much by God." And he talks about his rags to riches story, which is great. But here's the thing, right? And and Someone, I think it was Mark Wickens. Yeah. Yeah, he had commented that Rubio seemed a bit fake. Yeah, and I said, uh, I'm not watching, but I can see that. I've seen him before. And he's yeah. good, bad, good, bad at every other sentence. I else. didn't necessarily take him as fake. And then at the very end of his talk, he's trying to rouse everybody at the end, right? And it's about 17, 
uh, minutes and 30 seconds into his talk if you get on that GOP uh, National Convention webpage. Thanks for taking a hit. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had to I had to watch it. But he says, uh, he says, we chose, he's talking about what we chose, what we choose. We chose more government instead of more freedom. And then he talks about other things that we're choosing in order to back Romney. It these are just words to him if he wow. can say that if he can slip like that and say because he should say no we choose hmm. more freedom instead of more government then that's what, this, right. what he meant to say right. right but if he can slip and say we chose more government instead of more freedom hmm. I don't know he really he really messed up and then I thought well maybe he is phony but right. whether he's phony or not when he puts the most passion of his right. speech about the fact that the most important Value. The most important American value is faith. So obviously there's disagreements among these Republicans, right? Because well, you've got Condoleezza Rice saying it's not about religion. No and also Mitt and Romney. Saying it most yeah, he's a Mormon, but he never, he's not, I don't think he's that religious. I think he's a power monger. I think he's a politician, first and foremost. Religion is just something they slaps on and say, yeah, I'm, I'm religious. I don't think he takes it seriously. Right. I think Rubio, again, should become a priest or, you know, something. You know? <sighs> Now, Susanna Martinez. Who watched Susanna Martinez? I did. Anybody? You watched it? Yeah. Very good. Yeah, fun. Uh, she was the first Hispanic female governor in U.S. history. And not only did the convention announcer introduce her that way, she right. spoke about herself in that manner. And she spoke in Spanish as well. She spoke in Spanish, but you know what? I found that she spoke Spanish that even I could understand, <laughs> whereas Rubio spoke Spanish oh, that okay. was. As far Impossible as, for someone who it, doesn't really speak Spanish. I think he's born and raised here, so he has maybe a slight, you know, he's not as authentic. Uh, she started by telling people they should donate to the Red Cross, which I thought, okay, that's fine. But she had a good rags to riches kind of story as well. And she says, success is not built on resentment and fear. She talks about the parents starting the business, the security business, and that she right, was a right, security right. guard for right. a church bingo on Saturday night or she something. And she carried a, a, a Smith and Wesson 357 Magnum. Right. You know, my, my parents they built it, right? She, no, no, she seemed very. Uh, I mean, she seemed like a real proud American. I mean, really, really did. She seemed like a genuine person too. She talks about yeah. having been a Democrat, right? And then meeting with some Republicans and talking she, about issues and the issues that. She, she humored them and met with them and then yeah, yeah yeah she said she and her husband were talking about welfare and taxes with these republicans and then they left and they the said left, yeah. yeah well that you know they left the, from the lunch Sorry. or whatever it was and she spoke to her husband and said gosh I'll be damned we're republicans right. and and but she she hitched it on those issues of welfare right. and taxes like in the size of government what do you want government doing right. not on other things right uh, she says elections not about political parties. It's about this debt. Um, you know that we have to go on a bipartisan. It was interesting because she talked about in New Mexico having inherited the largest structural debt. You know some statistic. I thought if Johnson had right. been the New Mexico governor that he had fixed that. Right. I don't know how many years there were between his administration and her administration, but I kind of scratched my head at that one. Uh, but now she. I was asking who we're talking about. Oh, we're talking about Susanna Martinez, Joe. Susanna Martinez is the first Hispanic female governor in U.S. history. She is the governor of New Mexico right now. And I really, I did really like her quite a bit. Yeah. I, I thought she very, was good. Very appealing. Success very real. is the American dream. It's not something to be ashamed of or to be demonized, she emphasizes. So, 
I thought that was very good. Now, what was ugly, right? We've talked about some good and bad, but what would you say about the convention was actually ugly? One thing that was ugly was that so-called incident that happened. So-called. That people talked about, which was that somebody threw stuff at a camera woman. Okay, well, one thing is this. Uh, there were a number of minorities who were prominent speakers at the GOP convention. And uh, the MSNBC and the other channels, uh, you know, they didn't play those those speeches. So in order to, I guess, make themselves feel even better about that, they, as far as I know, no one heard about this. No one actually saw it happen. It's possible. But if it did happen, it was two supposed uh, guys uh, throwing some food at a black camera woman and say that's how we feed animals. And they were kicked out. As far as I know, some occupiers. Those are plants. Occupier Those leftists who went in there to do that, if they even existed. Yeah. MSNBC, I, you learned this from the Daily Caller, their article of August 28. It says, in lieu of airing speeches from former Democratic Representative Archer Davis, a black American, Mia Love, a black right. candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives from Utah, and a Texas senatorial hopeful Ted Cruz, a Latino American, MSNBC instead right. opted to show commentary anchored by Rachel Maddow from Reverend Al Sharpton, Ed Schultz, Chris Matthews, Chris Hayes, and Steve Schmidt. Yeah, they uh, blacked them out because of their skin color, literally. Yeah. I mean, literally. These racists. So instead they want to show their, their lovely commentary. So that was pretty ugly. I would say, to me, though, it was pretty ugly for someone like Rubio to get up there and say that the most important right. American value is faith. Right. In effect, excluding people like me Absolutely and anybody right. else who are atheists. Yes, and also saying, I mean, you know, when, when people when they speak about you know God and this and that, it's like, well, the Muslim world believes, believes in God more passionately than any other place on the planet, in general. Yeah, so and maybe that's they a, share that's a great value. Them, right? That's a great value. Look at what happens to a kind of world that believes in God to that extent. It's it's literally hell. Zach says that the vaginas outside the convention were pretty ugly too. Yeah, I heard some what? people wore vagina costumes. Protesters outside, oh, no. something like the Republicans were telling them what they could oh, do with no. their bodies or who knows, some garbage like that. Uh, by the way, Jeb Bush did go up there and it was basically an apology speech for his brother. And uh, I, I tweeted that if he starts to apologize for George Bush, he'll have to be there all night. So that was pretty ugly, yeah. too? Very yeah. ugly to me. Just, you know, now, you tell me, whether, the point. tell me whether you think that this rises to the level of the ugly. And, you know, we've gone almost the entire hour talking wow. about this, if you can believe it. But it, it was a lengthy event, so I guess it's worth kind of nitpicking it apart. Every single speech that I was talking about, and, and to the extent that they talked about this issue, they were all saying that we have to create a better America for our children right. and our grandchildren. Right. And all of them seem to be on the premise that in terms of talking of opportunity, that it's all over for us. Right, right. That, that is we, the implication. That, that, that things are so bad right, now right. that we can't even really speak about things being good for good us point. in our lifetimes. That, yes, things are going to be better for our children and grandchildren if we stir things, right. you know, We had a good around. run, but, yeah. you know, it's over for us. Yeah. So maybe for the next generation or two. You're so right. To me, I mean, that's good point, I, right? I don't know that you would say that's ugly. It was very sad. No, but it's it's a given across the board. I think they all they spoke that way. National Read Atlas Shrug Day. We want to talk about this. National Begin to Read Atlas Shrug Day. <laughs> it should be. Uh, a show of hands in the rooms, people who in the chat room there who are going to start a reread 
Are you looking for anything in particular? My last reread of Atlas Shrugged, I used it as part partly for one project that I've been yeah. working on that I haven't really Recent. talked about yet. Recently. But me, the but the other I was too. talking I was looking at it from the perspective of privacy issues which I spoke about at the conference this summer and I hope to have the lectures released through the Ayn Rand bookstore pretty soon. There was some interesting tidbits to pick out of Atlas Shrugged with the perspective of the value of, of privacy. So I did that. But uh, Robert in New York City says he's running a monthly seminar on it. I guess you're nice. still doing that. Last time we talked to you, you were doing that. I know that you guys have been taking it in fairly small chunks, so I'm sure that Robert is leading a good analysis of it there. Do hook up with uh, Robert from New York City if you're interested in yeah. going through and studying Atlas Shrugged in New York City. That would be great. I think it's the New York City Objectivist Society so. that you can find Robert through if you want to. Anything to do with the... Um Clinical intervention series. Any nugget? Anything? Quick? Well, you know, we've we're gonna have to again continue it next time. Unfortunately, we did have to, the. It wasn't I, much I guess, to say about. Here's it. here's the thing, and, and this is one thing that I wanted to, you know, because I was looking at some of the comments that have been coming into my blog at don'tletitgo.com. People reacting to our intervention shows. My whole purpose again is to try to convey how bad four more years of Obama would be and to persuade you of what I think is the truth, which is that our only real options are either Romney or Obama, and that if we choose Romney, we're going to be buying time for our educational mission to take hold, whereas if we choose Obama, it's going to be very bad. And issues that I think we're going to have to defer, but I want to talk about is some people think that I don't take abortion and the religious issues very very seriously. I hope in what I've talked about today, where I have expressed some of the most criticism about the mentions of religion and especially Rubio's talk you know about the issue of faith being the top american value That's terrible. I, I reject it entirely um people seem to evaluate the danger of obama differently than i do well. they take him maybe as a negative one and i think the negative value of obama is much more so yep. also people think that you're going to get effective we'll gridlock so. we'll be much much yeah. worse oh no i think you'll be term. much worse second term uh people seem to think that if you vote for obama or if you vote for you know johnson which will make you feel good and in effect hmm. give it to obama that you would be helping gridlock because right. you'd have a democratic president and right. a republican That's the house thinking. and maybe senate That's but i think thinking. obama has been able to do a lot of damage and particularly like i said in the area of foreign policy the, the story that i would like to talk about and i guess we'll talk about it next week is a story that came out of an op-ed at investors business daily an editorial there and i've i've got it here blood of afghan betrayal mm. on obama's hands Obama has implemented a policy in which our soldiers are disarmed while in the company of their so-called Afghan allies who are at that time armed. And this is why we have seen the deaths by so-called friendly fire, so-called friendly fire. One hundred of our soldiers have been killed by Afghanis who were armed while they were disarmed in their country by the orders uh-huh. under the Obama administration. This is the kind of stuff that just makes me ill. I have a, and I have, I have a piece of something just quick. It's called the first 
the first enemy president. Uh, it falls in dot block spot. It's called the first enemy president. Check it out. Yeah. By the way, Bosch has been on fire, posting like crazy. So if you want to read about a bunch of a whole bunch of other topics this week and not just the Republican National Convention, which we talked about here, go to fawson.blogspot.com. He's also got a couple of nice pieces on Ayn Rand and, and a special on his Ayn Rand print if you want to check that out as well. we'll we will. We'll get on to foreign policy. I can't believe that Next, the hour flew like that. Yeah, maybe, maybe foreign policy next week, maybe the interview with Leonard Peikoff the week after that. That's my hope. If you like the show, please join in on the discussion. Uh, you can go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com and leave comments on the show there. You can join the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook. And throughout the week, I post little stories and comments, and people get into discussion there as well. But most of all, if you are enjoying the show, do tell your friends. The show gets spread around by word of mouth. Yeah. My mouth is pretty big. I talked nonstop this week. I feel very tired. But usually it's only so big. And we do thank you for tuning in yeah, and for any, any help you can give us. So have a good week, everybody. And, uh, you know, keep sending in those stories and those questions about the intervention series. We're all making this judgment call. We're going to try to make try to make the right choice in 2012. Take care. Take Goodbye. Care.